If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. And we are live. Hey, what's up, y'all? You are now tuned in to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk about all things related to life lessons, mental health, the culture, and the faith community. So today I have a very special guest. Uh, welcome to my studio, Kizzle uh, or Kofi, <laughs> whichever <laughs> one you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, just joking, because this ain't a real studio. But <laughs> no, absolutely. I'll, we were yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. We were actually joking about how you fake do have a studio setup going on here, but we gonna you you can keep it modest, but you gotta do got a studio setup going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to Kizzle, then I, I'll take that compliment. So so I'm gonna just call it a studio for the rest of the podcast. Then. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. <laughs> so Kizzle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I I always call myself a mental health advocate. Um, and I am the founder of Express Yourself Black Man, which is a community of healing, uh, focused on black people, but with a specific focus on black men. And so what I'm doing is I'm leading with vulnerability. And what that means is I'm talking about experiences that we don't normally speak about as black men, like getting cheated on, um, love, relationships, breakups, uh, depression, suicide ideations, mental health therapy all of these different topics in hopes of creating a community of healing and in hopes of getting other black men to speak up about their experiences and open up so that we're not just internalizing all of this stress and trauma. Um, and so I do that primarily on social media. So on IG, we have a growing community of over 56,000 people, TikTok over 1K, YouTube over 1K, um, and uh, also a podcast, all these different uh, avenues trying to reach the community. So um, I'm very, very, very passionate about creating solutions. So I think about it as solution-based thinking. Um, so rather than just always talking about these things and and creating more stress and problems for our community, I try to create solutions. So I lead with vulnerability, but I also lead by trying to create solutions based on things that have worked for me. So I, w- I would definitely consider myself as a mental health advocate and someone that's trying to create a better Black community because eventually I'm going to have little black kids and I want them to be able to inherit something better than uh, what it is that was given to me. So um, that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. The fact that you said trying, like I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to do all these things. Like you're doing it Mm -hmm. and we see it. We see the work. We see the effort. Um, If you're not following Express Yourself Black Man on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, you need to do that like right now because uh, you you bless so many people with your platform. And Mm -hmm. I, I think it's needed. I think mm-hmm. uh, we're coming to a state where black men are becoming more comfort, comfortable with vulnerability. Mm. Um, and you said you lead with vulnerability. Can you kind of yeah. explain to us what that looks like? Yeah. So I always call it leading with vulnerability. And I, I coined that term. So if you ever hear anybody say it, right? Just, no, <laughs> listen, I'm the first person that you've heard say it. Okay. So what so, leading So with, he said, give him his credit, basically. Le- he said, give ab- him his credit. Absolutely. Leading with <laughs> vulnerability is something that, I've noticed works very, very well in the black uh, mental health space, specifically with black men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll speak about when I used to run these clubhouse rooms, they, I used to, they weren't group therapy, but I think about it as like a group session or a group therapy session. And we would do it on Sundays. We used to have a clubhouse chat, maybe about like 10 to 15 black men or black people in general, but mostly black men in there. 
and we would have a topic, right? And so we would talk about maybe like depression or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, right? And so I would start off by saying, yeah, man. So in 2017, I was super depressed and this is how I felt and this is what was going on in my life and this is um, how I kind of dealt with it. Um, we can go around the room and if you feel like opening up and talking about an experience in which you were depressed, you can, but you don't mm-hmm. have to, right? And so I would lead with vulnerability and open up the floor by saying, this is something that I dealt with. Have you dealt with it? If so, do you want to talk about it? If not, you don't have to, right? Yeah. And what what would happen is most of the times, 100% of the people would express what they were dealing with and like how they dealt with depression and how they dealt with the suicidal ideations or anxiety mm-hmm. or a bad breakup, or whatever the case may be. And it it, it has this like um, effect where everybody feels more comfortable once they hear that they aren't the only one. And right. so that's what leading with vulnerability does. It creates the the community healing effect because it allows people to realize they're not the only one dealing with that specific experience. So if you go in my comments, I'll I'll post something, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, yo, this is what happened to me. Yo, did y'all have a similar experience? Like 45 minutes later, 15 comedy air, bro. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 30-something years old and this is exactly mm-hmm. how I feel. Like, blah, this is going on right now in my life. Or this is how I felt when I was 20-something years I'm like, dang, like, cause sometimes I post stuff and I don't really know. Like, I'm like, maybe it could just be me. Right. And I'm going out, I'm taking, I'm going out on a limb, just, just saying like, okay, even if it is just me, I don't really care because I'm comfortable with who I am. Right. But if this helps at least one person then I'm cool. And so I lead with vulnerability in that way. And I try not to um, make it so that people feel judged for how they, for what they've experienced. And I just talk Mm -hmm. about it from my experience and just say, this is what I dealt with. Have you guys dealt with it? And overwhelmingly, most of the times, like people have. And they feel much more comfortable expressing once they know that somebody else has had a similar experience as them. You're creating like those, I know safe spaces has become like one of those buzzwords in the, yeah. uh, in the community yeah. over the past couple of years. But mm-hmm. like that's real life. Like you're creating that space for black men to feel comfortable with talking about some of their lived experiences. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's the big thing because we we internalize yeah. a lot, right? And I mm-hmm. realize that that's not helpful for us, man. Like we we lose. 2.8 years of our life when we're under heavy stress. I read a study that says that. Mm. We lose wow. 2.8 years of our life when we're under heavy stress. And that's that really stuck out to me. I was like, dang, I'm going to lose 2.8 years of my life because I, I choose not to have an outlet for my stress, right? And like I choose to enter, like, and not necessarily choose, right? Because a lot of us aren't like, consciously making that decision but yeah. we are in a we are in a sense right when we when we decide not to express how we feel or choose not to in, in, invest in ways to like better our mental wellness and, mm-hmm. and our emotional intelligence so that we know how to express ourselves healthily so um we're literally losing years of our lives because we choose not to um express what's going on and mm-hmm. and that just didn't sit right with me man like and i i felt like i had to do something about it for myself and then also try to help other black men out of that man because like women live longer than men so y'all 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 know something like y'all know <laughs> y'all know something right and when i really when we really dive deep and think about it a little bit man like um I feel like y'all are a lot more comfortable with expressing emotions. Maybe y'all don't have the same, maybe y'all weren't born with the same tools like we were born. Like mm-hmm. what I mean by y'all weren't, y'all didn't grow up in a society where y'all were really taught how to express yourselves healthily, just like us, because I have those mm-hmm. conversations with women where women say, yeah, I wasn't taught how to express myself either. But mm-hmm. what y'all do have is y'all have the room to be able to do so. And, I, and we don't have that room. So while y'all don't have the, y'all don't, y'all don't, have the the tools to express yourself healthily. Y'all do have the room to express yourself healthily when you find out that you need to. We 
we don't have the tools to express ourselves healthily and we also don't have the room to do so even when wow. we know we need to wow yeah. well you know i i feel like us as a community especially i i think generally speaking like women mm. yeah we're, we're more socialized to feel emotion to express emotion mm. but like even in the black community right so mm. i feel like women too like we mm. have a we can have a hard time with like feeling and expressing emotion mm. because of those you know notions that have been detrimental like the strong black woman or what happened uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah no you're speaking facts you're speaking a lot of facts <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's true. yeah yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like us as a community and i'm not um gonna you know me to this conversation no no, like, no 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 yeah I you're speaking you're, you're you're no you're adding your experience yeah and that's yeah. Ne- that's necessary yeah go ahead yeah yeah and i just think that like as as black women like we also have to get to a place of acknowledging that you know, some of us may not have learned the tools, but it's okay to learn them now in adulthood. Mm. I think mm. when we go through life and we we normalize these ideas, like this um, idea of strength or, you know, um, just being able to kind of like power through situations, I think mm-hmm. that keeps us in places to where we feel like, well, my grandmom did it, my auntie did it, my mom did it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to be able to kind of like put this mask on and keep it moving. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just because it's normalized don't mean that it's adaptive doesn't mean it's healthy doesn't mean it's functional right there's a lot of maladaptive behavior in our community that we think is healthy that's not healthy like we do a lot of things out of trauma um that are that's not really putting us in a position to win it's just putting us in a position to perpetuate the cycles that we've we've seen that same cycle right Mm -hmm. that same cycle so i I love that we're talking about this um Mm -hmm. I think you do great work, especially mm-hmm. for, for black men, because black women like we and I'm going on a tangent here, but I feel like we got I'm not going to say we have the resources, but we have the support. Mm-hmm. We we have shout out to Essence. We got Essence magazine that's targeted toward black women. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, like the, the hashtags black girl magic. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Black Girls Rock, that platform, that whole award show. But we don't have like a black men's platform. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this conversation with a friend mm-hmm. um, about how like black men in this country are neglected. Mm-hmm. There aren't many resources. There aren't many people that's pushing the health and well-being of black men. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that's a real thing. That's a real thing. I, I said this the other day when I was talking about um like we see a lot on social media, uh black men going viral on podcasts and a lot of yeah. you know sometimes it can be distasteful or negative things depending on a person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I was saying the reason why we see a lot of these clips is one because of you know, these these platforms are going to promote whatever they feel like is going to get the most engagement, but also mm-hmm. because a lot of black men don't feel like they have any other space to express themselves outside of a podcast. And so they get on a podcast and their expression is so raw and unfiltered and it hasn't really been, um, they haven't really learned how to express themselves healthily. And so everything comes out like just you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just vomit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just really just yeah. them just expressing whatever is on their mind. Um, and so I feel like the part of the reason why we see a lot of that is because a lot of these these uh, these men, you know, a lot of a lot of the men in our community don't feel like they have spaces that are geared towards them and their experiences. And so that's part of what I'm trying to do 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot, there are other platforms that are dedicated to showing um, like healthy uh, representations of black men. And while that's important, mm-hmm. um, I think it's uh, equally important to create platforms where black men feel welcomed and feel like they're catered to um, and like they can, they can, um, they can be at peace. That's something yeah. I've been talking to about, uh, talking to uh, my consultant about because we're going to create an exclusive community. And one of the main things that we're trying to do with that exclusive community is create an environment where black men feel at peace and where we can we can right. have these conversations um, and grow and actually heal um, outside of just social media. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we can have a lot of these conversations and community forums. Like I talked about the uh, the clubhouse chats that I used to do. I can't mm-hmm. really do that on IG and IG live. That's not the same setting. And I don't want to be in Clubhouse doing that either because Clubhouse is just like, I'm just going to have to hop into another app. I don't want to do that. So the solution is to create an exclusive community, exclusive experience where they can have that categorized content where it talks about relationships or depression or suicidal ideations or anxiety or mental health just in general. Mm -hmm. And then it also has a community forum where we can all get together as a community, maybe on Zoom or whatever the case may be. Um, kind of Zoom format and have these conversations. And we could also have like low cost therapy in there. We could have medical yeah. concierge service so that people can be able to book their own um, doctor's appointments. They just make a request and then the, the, the organization will take care of it for them. So it's about creating these solutions, right? Because yeah. um, we don't have a, we don't have anything like this for black men right now. We mm-hmm. don't. And I, I want to be part of that change. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it. You say you mm-hmm. want to be, you're doing it. You, you're being a part of that change. I, I appreciate that for yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I got a question for you. So oftentimes, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I love that you're targeting black men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you're targeting, you could have just, you know, called your, your platform Express Yourself Man. But you mm-hmm. put an, exp- an emphasis on Express Yourself Black Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of times when we kind of emphasize our um, our resources to a specific community, Typically, it's because like that community is important to us, right? Mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. usually some sort of moment that kind of like leads up to that. So I'm wondering, like, what was that moment where mm-hmm. you realized that you were a black man, namely a black man in America? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And and the, the first thing that pops into my head when I think about this is um, graduating college and then getting into corporate America. Mm. And so I went to HBCU. I went to DSU. Um, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I what went, year did you graduate? I graduated 2018. Okay. Yeah, I was born. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. All right, we ain't going to talk about the year, right? But we, I graduated. <laughs> all that matters is that we both hornets. That's all that yeah, matters. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? So I graduated in 2018. And then I, I started this job. I worked on an Air Force base in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And anybody that listens to my podcast knows I have a, a deep, deep uh, dislike, I'll call it, for Massachusetts. And it's because of the two years that I spent in Massachusetts. Wow. I feel like Massachusetts is like like the white version of New York. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, New York is white, right? Because you have a lot of white people, right? But sure. New York is a melting pot. Like, you're going to see a lot of different people in New York. Massachusetts just felt very, 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 very white. And when you think about where I was coming from at HBCU, where I was really in the mix with a lot of black people, black culture all around me all the time, mm-hmm. it was a culture shock to be in Massachusetts working in corporate America, having to do a nine to five on yeah. an on a on an air force base at that. Yeah. Right. Where they have already this kind of like military or army or whatever culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I really realized that I was a black man in America 
and there's a specific conversation that I remember having with one of my coworkers. He was he was about like for lack of better words, he's kind of like the whitest guy that you can think of. Like when you think about the stereotypical <laughs> like white like redneck guy that drives a truck with a long wow. beard and like kind of big belly, you know, drinks beer, you know. That's the kind of guy that I had working with me. And I remember one time mm-hmm. he came into he was a cool dude, right? Um, but he came into my cubicle and we were having a conversation and he was just talking about Trump and how he voted for Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I want to punch him in the face. I'm like, why the hell would you vote for Trump? Right. But I'm realizing like he's white. Of course he would. He doesn't he doesn't give a damn about my experiences. He goes right. on to say, you know, I voted for Trump and I thought he would be worse um, than what he's doing now. But, you know, America doesn't even seem that that worse off. And that was a moment that I really realized, like, damn. like. I'm really, I like, I, that's, that's really, only thing I can say, like, really, I'm really a black man in America. This is, this, this is a typical black experience in, in yeah. like, corporate America where you have someone that's obviously, uh, you know, benefiting from the system, the systemic racism and all the different things that go on in our society and in our culture and doesn't even understand how detrimental that has been for me and the people around me and doesn't i probably and really doesn't even care to hear you know what i'm saying because me in that moment what if, if i go and say yeah well i don't really agree with that because this is what's going on in my community blah blah, blah. maybe it reaches him maybe it doesn't does it mm-hmm. does, does he really care that much you know what i'm saying and so that was one of those moments that i really realized okay i'm a black man in america i can't really i can't really respond the way i want to and i have to be able to um like curb the way I feel about this emotionally in order for me to keep my job. Isn't that interesting how we have to kind of like conform or kind of like curb our emotions mm. in order to accommodate somebody else when they're the ones making us feel uncomfortable. We, we feel like we have to. to yeah. Do- it's very interesting. Even if yeah. you think about how we are when we go into work, right? Like a lot of us code switch. Yeah. I do that. I do that at work all the time. Like nine really? to five. Yeah, I code switch at work all the time. Like I, I work a nine to five, um, and I work in corporate America now. I don't work on a, on a, um in the Air Force base. But when mm-hmm. I go into work, like I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to say dope. What I'm going to say is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say uh hit me up. I'm going to say ping me. You know, like it's just certain things that I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna. Sw- I switch the way that I speak because I know yeah. it's more. It's easier for you to accept me as a black man when I speak like a white person. You know what I'm saying? And that's really the that's really the gist of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. what code switching is. And a lot of us have yeah. to do that in order for us to feel like for in order for us to be accepted, in order for us to be less of a threat, in order for us to keep our positions and, and provide for our families. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I think one of like we saw kind of like an example of that. Um, I don't know if you saw the Kanye documentary yet. I have seen the whole thing. Yes. Somebody had pointed out to me, this was before I finished the whole thing, but they pointed out to me like the significant differences between the way Kanye, who's obviously a black man, how he would talk like at the very early episodes versus how he would talk and more of uh, part two and three while mm. he was in a group of white people. Mm. And like we were, we were like literally seeing before our eyes that need to code switch, that need to, mm kind of change who he was in environments yep. to um to present themselves or yeah. present himself yeah yeah we you know it's it's interesting right because part of it is like in a professional environment you're supposed to present yourself a certain way right like i mean mm-hmm. 
you're not necessarily supposed to go there in shorts. Like, let's say you're doing a presentation or a pitch to a VC to to VC to get money for your business. Like, you're supposed mm-hmm. to go in. You're supposed to go in there with a suit, you know, nice cut, all that kind of stuff. But where does it stop, right? Where where do we draw that line, right? Because for right. us, part of our culture is the way that we dress, and and like, it's like, it's hard for me, especially as a black man, to know yeah. when that line needs to be drawn. Am I doing too much by code switching or am I doing just enough? Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Yeah. Right. Like, am I doing too much by switching the way I dress or am I doing just enough? Right. So it's like I understand the difference between the way um, Kanye spoke in like part one and like part two and three. But I also feel like some of that is attributed to him also changing as a person. Mm-hmm. Kanye now is not the same Kanye from, you know, when he was he was he was coming up in Chicago. He's a lot more. What's the word that I would I would put on Kanye now? I guess modernized, for lack of okay. better words, right? Um, and him coming out of Chicago, he's you know raw kid, you know not really. Um, he was not really on game like how he is now. So I think the way that he moves now, and also like some of his interests and stuff has changed with access that he's had, um, for sure. that that money has kind of given him as well. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely can. Um contributes to it that's interesting so you feel i i know a lot of people saying that share that same mentality that kanye is like switched a bit mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i think a, i think a little bit i don't think he i think kanye is kanye but i think some of his his interests have when i say interests, i mean like I don't know, because now when I think about it, I think about like him when he was younger, he was always talking about how he wanted to be like a fashion icon and all these different things. And now he's just living in that reality, right? So I don't yeah. know if his interests have necessarily changed or if the if he's just become more of who he wanted to be. It could be that his interests have changed or he's just okay. become more of who he wanted to be. I don't know. I would yeah. have to be around him to really, you know, I would right, have to have right. been with him when he was younger and be, be with him now to really be able to make that assessment. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you feel mm-hmm. as though it's more um, difficult for Black women? How should I word this question? Like, is it is it more um, mm-hmm. necessary? Is it deemed more necessary for Black men to code switch as opposed to Black women? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think black people in general 
are expected to code switch. And I've had, I, I know there's some white people that are like, well, like when I get into a certain environment, I'm going to change my language as well, blah, blah, blah. Not to the extent that we do, right? right. But not to the extent that we do. Um, I, I don't want to say that black men have to do it more than black women. I think we both have to do it. I think, but, and I also think the reasons and why we do it are, are kind of the same too. Because I said the reason why I do it is because I want to be seen as less of a threat, less of a whatever yeah. the case may be. Right. When you think about black woman and the and the and the tropes that you guys have when it comes to like society in general, it's always well the angry black woman. Like that's angry, something that I yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's yeah. something that I experienced when I worked in a, in the um in the Air Force base. Mm-hmm. Like we had this black woman that worked with us and she was just very strict, right? And everybody was just like, you know, they basically labored her with that angry black woman trope. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was because she knew what she was talking about and she was unapologetic when she spoke. So she didn't cold switch and she didn't conform and she didn't like lay down and bow down to them. And so that made them label her with the, you know, the angry black woman trope. And so I feel like that's part of the reason why we see cold switching on both sides between black women and black men. It's like, I don't want to be the person that gets highlighted for. And it's, it's, it's crazy to say it this way, but it's like. You don't want to get highlighted for being authentically. You don't want to be authentic in your expression or in who you actually are because you think that that's going to be used against you in some way, shape, or form. So you rather yeah. conform to what everybody's doing in that in that in that corporation or organization or whatever the case may be, so that you can just continue to make it to the next day. And it's really just about surviving yeah. in corporate America, and it's sad that we have to do this. But these are part of this is part of the reason why diversity and inclusion should should expand more to. Not just recruitment efforts, but actually culture inside of a exactly a company. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there are probably like different stigmas that we're fighting, which is why so many of us do code switch. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I asked you that question about black men versus black women was because when mm-hmm. you were talking about code switching, mm-hmm. I had an immediate impulse to you know talk about my experience with code switching. But Please then I, tell me. I paused. Mm-hmm. But then I paused. I'm like, well, I'm going to be sensitive to the fact that it might be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I acknowledge that there are different hurdles that black men have to jump over than mm-hmm. black women, but I will say, um, I, I made an intentional effort probably about like four years ago mm-hmm. to not code switch mm-hmm. in my profession anymore. Mm-hmm. So the same Dr. Reynolds you get on a podcast is the same Dr. Reynolds you're going to get when I'm teaching a class at the doctorate level. Mm. The same Dr. Reynolds that you're going to get where um, I'm meeting with a client. Even while I was, you know, on residency at, you know, Friends Hospital and at Johns Hopkins or what have you. Like, I tried to mm. make sure that I was authentic in the way mm. I constantly presented myself. Because, mm. you know, I, I believe that code switching is, is the term that we um, are using now. But, and it's become like, again, one of those buzzwords. But this is not something new to America. Like when we were brought to this country, we were expected as black Americans, we were expect- expected to have our identity stripped, right? We were expected mm. to have our identity stripped of who we are in terms of our African ancestry and to take on the the mindset and the uh, mentality of our oppressor in order to assimilate, in order to be like those who we're surrounded with. So um, as a result, you know, I chose not to, I chose to wear my hair the way I wanted to. I chose to wear my nails the way I wanted to. Did I receive backlash? Were people labeling me? Yes. Were those people white and black? Yes. But, you know, I I made, again, a conscious effort not to do that 
but also like I am completely aware, and this is not to take away from your experience. I'm no, I want you to see it, probably, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like we probably have different um, experiences as a black man and a black woman. And mm. also I acknowledge like the privilege associated with, um, I don't call myself light skin or whatever, but uh, being of a, a lighter complexion, I feel mm. as though that, that people might, might deem that differently as opposed to being someone um, of a darker complexion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's definitely, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. That, that yeah. definitely has that, that's not all of it, but that has something to do with it. Right. Like yeah. when you, we already know it's sad that this, that this is what it is in our community, but there's a certain level of colorism, right? Like the darker Absolutely. you are, the more you're seen as a threat. Exactly, exactly. Right? And that's yeah. that's what I, I failed to say that, but I appreciate you for pointing that out. Yeah, like the darker yeah. you are, the more you're seen as a threat, right? Exactly. And so I think that could be part of the reason why, but I'm going to challenge myself now that you've said that, right? You've you've inspired me in a way. To, I'm going to challenge myself to not co-switch as much, right? It's not going to yeah. change overnight, um, yeah. but I'm definitely going to challenge myself because it is, it is stripping my identity, right? And I do want to be authentic in my expression. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I struggle with, right? Because also part of it, I think, has to do also with people pleasing, right? Like I struggle with people yeah. pleasing. And okay. what you want to do is you don't want people to like look at you a certain way. It's like, what yeah. are they going to think? How are they going to think about me if I use the right. word dope instead of awesome? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how are they going to think about me if I just use hit me up instead of ping and all these different slang terms that I know right. use with my bros, right? Um, so I think part of it is like me me wanting to be cool with everybody and not wanting to be at odds with anybody. And so that also influences my behavior when it goes to, when it comes to work. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I take the easier route, which is code switching because I don't want to have to deal with the repercussions of having to have a conversation with people. Yeah. Like a lot of people at work don't even know that I have expressed yourself black man. Like they don't even know most people. That, I mean, I would say 99% of people at work don't even know that I run the platform. I don't even talk about it. Right. Like wow. I don't even give them that level of like insight into myself. Like, um, so it's like, yeah, a lot of that is like also not even feeling part of it also is not feeling comfortable with the people that I work with because mm-hmm. and I hate to say it this way, but I'm always a little bit wary um, and scared. Not I would say scared. Yeah. Of of working with white people. Mm. I'll be honest, yeah. because yeah. part of it is like. I don't I haven't had a lot of experiences with white people and the experiences that I have had with white people haven't been the greatest. And so like sometimes that can influence how I approach relationships with white coworkers because I don't know if they're actually my friend or not or if mm-hmm. they're just cool with me until they can step over me and use me for something. Right? And I hate wow. that that's that's part of the mindset but that's part of it. Like um and I don't want people to take that as like I'm racist and I don't like, I don't want to create relationships with white people. Mm-hmm. I do. It's just that I struggle with it. Not only because of my own experiences, but also when we talked about on my podcast, post-traumatic slave syndrome, yeah. my experiences, but you know, ancestor, ancestral trauma and our ancestors experiences and all those different things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just disregard all of that because I have a nice white coworker that, you know, is cool to me. Like I, yeah. it's hard, you know, like mm-hmm. it's hard to be, it's hard to put all that to the side and just say, yeah, we cool, bro. Like, nah, I don't really know. I don't really know you like that. Even right, if I right. feel like I know you, I don't really know you. I don't. Um, but with black people, it's a lot. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
is a little bit different because I feel like um, we connect on a different level because we can we 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 know we share the same experiences. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Can can we call this podcast episode uh, Code Switch Network? Like, because I, I yeah, feel like we, that's the conversation. We, def- we definitely, we definitely can. We definitely can. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. So I'm wondering, like, you know, as we even talked about leading with vulnerability mm-hmm. and kind of um, this is how you say, like, you kind of like lead your community or what have you. Mm-hmm. I think that in this space that we were just talking about, um fears associated with going to work with white people and, Mm -hmm. you know, showing up fears associated with showing up as your authentic self. I Mm -hmm. think that was you in a very vulnerable moment with Mm -hmm. the audience and the listeners. And I feel like a lot of people can probably learn from those experiences that you verbalized having. Absolutely. And that's, that's what it's about, man. Like, I don't want people to feel like, damn, I'm the only person that's going through this. Like, so when I speak about these things, like, my expression is very raw right now because I've never really vocalized that that's how I felt about um, working with white coworkers. I've never mm-hmm. actually made that. I've never, I've never actually made that vocal. And part of that is because like, I don't want to say anything that can end up putting me at odds with coworkers yeah. and all these different things, because I'm worried about protecting mine and making sure that I could provide for, for, for me and my family and all that kind of stuff. But there's nothing wrong with me saying that I have a hard time creating relationships with white people like that's what's wrong about that Mm -hmm. right like i feel like most black people struggle creating relationships with white people and that's really at the gist of what i'm saying and so when i say these things i'm saying them not only to help myself express and and actually understand what's going on internally but also to allow other people to understand that it's okay for you to have these experiences because other black people have them yes yes Mm -hmm. we got to keep in mind like we don't go through these experiences in life as individuals, like if one person, right. black person experienced it, it's likely that our community in general um, has experienced it. And right. again, like I'm, I'm appreciative of you just being vulnerable in that aspect. You said that was the first time you, you talked about that? Yeah, that's the first time I did. Yeah, that's definitely the first time I've talked about like my experiences with white coworkers. So this is okay. uh, I, this is definitely an exclusive to Paige and, yes. Paige and Dr. Sandler. You know, I've been told I have that effect on people, yeah. that I can just make people open up and share. I think that's why I'm in the profession. Yep, yep. Listen, you do you definitely <laughs> you're definitely doing it in this episode. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. It. <laughs> so if if I can be transparent, you know, that was my first time talking about like even code switching on my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um and how, like, because people see, like, the product now, right? Mm. Me as the, the person who kind of, like, shows up authentically and thinks I was always like that. But people might not know that I, I've i had moments in life, um, especially early on in my doctorate program, where I I did not, like, you know, go into school with braids. And um, I, I never, so I went to school in D.C., but I never took the Metro wearing a hoodie. Mm. I never did. Because Why? I did not, because... In the morning on the metro, it's a bunch of white people who wear business suits and dresses and they're on the way to work. And I did not want to be labeled. So I on days where I had classes and I had to take the train, I had to take the metro, I wore like clothes like I was going to to work or what have you. Like I I didn't wear going to class clothes. Like I will, Mm. you know, code switch, right? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Wow. You know, it's interesting because if I was in that situation where I was going on the train with a bunch of different white people and I was just going to school, I would not give two flying like I wouldn't even care. Wow. But I'm in the actual setting. Yeah. You okay. know what I'm saying? That makes sense. I'm like, I got to I got to switch up. 
That right. Like sense. I have to change. So it's interesting that you had it even before you went into the setting. Cause for me, it's like none of y'all gonna really, I don't care how y'all feel about me mm-hmm. outside of the setting because right. y'all can't affect y'all can't. I feel like for me, what it is is once it has an once it, I feel like it can actually have an effect on my life mm-hmm. and my livelihood, I get a little uneasy. And then yeah. that's what leads to the code switching because I'm like, I have to code switch in order to survive. Yeah. But if yeah. I don't have to code switch in order to survive, I'm like, I don't give a damn. Like if I'm in the train and I'm <laughs> around a bunch of white people and they, right. they 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 worried about what I'm wearing, I'm like, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like it is, right. it is. And also another thing that I was thinking about too, like I always think about this. I'm like, yo, if my white coworkers saw me outside of work and they didn't even know me, would they say hi to me? Mm. Probably not. Probably not. Like, if they saw me in the supermarket with my joggers on and some Yeezys, you know what I'm saying? Like, the black man is okay to, to not be okay hat and the merch, you know? Would they say, what's up? Or would they head down, keep walking? Right. Because that's, that's a lot of the times, that's the experience that I get with white people. There's, there's some cool white people that I see, in, in, you know, in the environment, but um, out and about. But a lot of times I get the, like, I'm not even trying to make eye contact. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I always think about that, too. I'm like, hmm, would they even say what's up to me? Like, that's wow. something I think about. Wow. That's something I think about I mean, for sure. Huh? Uh, that's something I was just saying. That's something that I think about for sure. I, it's, yeah. it's not going anywhere, but yeah, I, that's definitely something that I, I think about. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely appreciate that. I, like I said, I think people are probably thinking the same thing um, and mm-hmm. have this similar experiences. So, um, but Kofi, I mm-hmm. appreciate you. Like you literally came. You were vulnerable. Like I can tell, this isn't just a slogan that you have. Like leading through vulnerability. Like you actually showed up and you did it today mm-hmm. during the podcast absolutely yeah 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 can you tell the people where to find you absolutely yeah so y'all can find me at express yourself black man on instagram you can find it on uh express yourself black man on tiktok on youtube as well we also have a podcast called express yourself black man um the website is up it's express yourself black man.com i feel like i'm saying express yourself black man a lot um so yes that's express yourself black man on all platforms um we have a lot of different resources when it comes to healing. We have therapy resources. We have an ebook. Um, it has four different chapters. One is on depression and suicidal ideations. The other one is on breakups. Um, we have a, another two chapters on anxiety and then also attachment styles. And so what I do in that ebook is I try to break it down into two sections in each chapter. I, in one part of the ch- uh, chapter, I talk about my story in relation to um, the chapter subject. So in the depression and suicide ideations chapter, I talk about my experience dealing with depression and suicide ideations. And then I talk about in the second part of the chapter, I talk about how to heal. And so I give a guide and things that I did that helped me to heal when I was dealing with that. And so that book is called From Hurting to Healing a Black Man's Guide to Feeling. It's an ebook. It's linked in my bio and Instagram. Um, and we also I like have that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Hurting to <laughs> Healing a Black Man's Guide to Feeling. Um, so yeah. Um, that ebook is is definitely my way of trying to create more resources and and, and embody that solution based thinking. Um, and then also the last thing I want to talk about is the exclusive community. So that is where we're that's where the platform is moving. It is going to be a subscription based community. Um, it's going to have low cost therapy as part of a partnership that I'm finalizing with a black organization. Um, and so what that's going to basically do is it's basically going to allow us to. Uh, heal outside of these social media platforms so Mm. that exclusive community will have low cost therapy it'll have categorized content so categorized podcast episodes and posts 
It'll have uh, community forums. It'll have live podcast episodes as well. Um, it'll have exclusive merch. And then it'll also have a medical concierge service as part of another partnership that I'm working on. And what that basically will be is a black man will be able to come into that exclusive community, um, request for a doctor or request for help um, in their environment or wherever they are. And then the organization will take care of finding them a competent doctor, a competent black doctor that can help them, um, a primary care physician, and then they'll book their appointment and it'll also mm-hmm. help pay for uh, transportation there if they need to. Um, so I'm trying to get black men at, on all different facets, right? Not just mental health, but also the physical health, right? Because um, we don't be going to the doctor. I ain't gonna lie, man. No. We don't, no. right? Like I, my, my girl literally got to force me to make, make my appointment, right? So I know if it's something that I'm struggling with, I know yeah. some, of the, some of the community members are struggling with it as well. Oh, so absolutely. It's about, yeah. it's about creating these solutions and not, and not more problems, man. And meeting the community where they are and offering yeah. what they need. I love it. Kizzle, mm-hmm. you are definitely a gem. Thank you so much for joining the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. I hope the viewers, I hope that you guys were taking notes because Kizzle was definitely saying some things that I probably apply to you and your life. Uh, I want you to share this podcast with as many people as possible. I want you to tag as many people as you can, especially your black brothers, cousins, mom, not your mom, your father, <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody who is a black man and you feel like who needs these services because when is this service opening up, uh, Kizzle? In a month and some okay. change. Yeah. Okay. So. Anybody that's on the Instagram, TikTok, wherever platform you're on, it's going to be on every platform. I also have an a email list. So if you go to expressyourselfblackman.com slash therapy, you can sign up for the mailing list to know exactly when it's coming out and get early perfect. access to it. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Thank you again, Kizzle. Uh, for the viewers out there, make sure that you are subscribed to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast so that you can enjoy more episodes like this one. And don't forget, you have the power to create the emotions that you want to experience. All right, y'all. Catch y'all next Wednesday. All right. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.